Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Talk to you for just a few moments today from the book of Psalms. I want you to go with me to uh, Psalms chapter 78. I want to go to Psalms chapter 78. I spoke in the first service a different message, and you ought to get it if you're a parent. I called it Help, I'm a Parent. And I gave practical instructions on what every parent is to do to raise our children. And I hope that you'll get that. Can they get that? They download that, right? And it'll be online? Will it be online? So you can listen to that online free. You don't even have to get the CD. It's there. And boy, it'll help you. But I want to talk to you today from Psalm 78. I love this particular psalm. It's pretty powerful. I'm going to read a few verses, and I won't keep you long. I know that you've got family functions. Don't forget, we don't have church tonight at 4 and 6 o'clock because we're, we want you to have wonderful time with your family today. But we'll be right back next week, and don't miss it. Psalm 78, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to my mouth, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and an appointed law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers, listen to this, that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, those that are not even born. Here's how. That they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. He said, I will show you, I like the Living Bible, it says, I will show you lessons. Listen to this. Stories from our history handed down to us from former generations describing their story so you will describe your story to your children so that they will know what Jehovah has done. Tell them so they can tell their children. I want to talk to you about stories to tell your children. As a matter of fact, it's not just kids' stories. When we read the Bible, we think of the stories of the Bible, the, the, the manna feeding of the children of Israel in, in the wilderness for 40 years, water coming out of rocks, uh, the miracles. We think of them as Bible stories. Moses, you know, parting the Red Sea. That's a Bible story to us. But in Bible days... To the Hebrews, it was not a a Bible story. It was a family story. These were stories that happened in the family. This happened to great-grandfather. And then great-grandfather told my grandfather. And grandfather told me. And now I'm telling you and I want you to tell your children. They were not just Bible stories. They were family stories that were passed down from generation to to generation of how God worked redemption through our family. And he said, the way that you 
that you preserve a generation and you produce a new generation of faith in your family is you've got to tell your personal stories. Don't just let it be about the Bible. Don't just let it be about ancient stories of history, but tell your history, your story of how God has worked redemption through your family through the generations. You did not just end up here on a Sunday morning at Free Chapel. This is not a coincidence. Somebody, somewhere, somehow got in touch with God and maneuvered things and here you sit today. And it's a story that's to be told. And it's not only just to tell, to inspire, but he said, this is how they'll know. This is how they'll find faith in the God of Jehovah is if you tell them the stories. You have a story to tell of the providence of God. You have a story to tell of how you were saved and how you were lost and how God saved you and how God changed and turned your life around. And he said, don't, 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 do not keep these stories inside of you, but tell them to the next generation, the history to your children, stories of faith that we need to tell our children. As a matter of fact, Many years ago, God began to work. I want all of the young people to listen. God began to work in somebody in your family. Somebody is responsible for you being here today. And there are places, as a matter of fact, there are five places in the Bible where God specifically said to tell these stories to your children. He didn't ask them. He commanded them. You are in these five stories to make sure that when your children ask, what does this mean? What does this mean? You tell them the story of how faith worked in your family. And those same five places in the Old, in the Old Testament are the same stories we need to make sure the next generation and our children and our children's children know the story of our faith, of our family. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 12. It's the story of Passover. And he said, after you eat the Passover meal and your children say when they eat the lamb and they drink the wine and, they, and you rehearse the lesson of a Passover and your children ask, what does this mean? You tell them how God through the blood of a lamb brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, out of the world of fear and defeat and took you into the blessed promised land. Tell them that story. Now today we don't celebrate Passover. We celebrate communion. And communion is something that we ought to have with our families. And when we have those communion times, we are to tell the children our own personal story of how we got saved. How we were cleansed and freed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that takes away the sins of the world. And how that He brought us out by the blood. He brought us through the water. They parted the Red Sea. Remember, they came out by the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. They went through the water under the cloud. That's the same testimony we have. I was brought out by the blood of Jesus Christ. He took me through the water, the water of baptism and the washing of his word. And I'm under the cloud, the Holy Spirit, and he's been guiding me. And where the cloud goes, I go. And when the cloud stops, I stop. And I am to tell 
Courtney and Carissa and Caroline and Connor and Drake and Amelia and the next baby that's coming in, Carissa, she's back there throwing up somewhere. She just left. But, 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 but I am to tell these, my family and Ben and the story of how the blood of Jesus, and I know we might get tired of telling our personal story, but tell it anyhow. Tell them how you went to church and you had been out of church and you were lost and you didn't know anything and the singing, what were they, the singing got you and the lights and the music and you had never been in a church like this and the only time they raised their hand in your church was to vote the preacher out but everybody's hand was raised praising God and people were singing and people were laughing and smiling in your church when they shook your hand, rigor mortis went up your elbow, it was so dead and so dry but there was life in this place and when the preacher got up, I'll never forget when my brother Richie got up to sing at the cross, at the cross, I was a seven, 16 year old backslidden preacher's kid. And the spirit, I'm telling the story, the spirit of God touched me and the blood of Jesus washed me. I walked down the altar and threw my hands up and said, Jesus saved me. And it felt like a million pounds lifted off of my shoulder. It felt like I didn't have any secrets. I didn't have anything I had to try to hide, but I was free. By the blood of the Lamb, tell your own personal story. You weren't always good. Tell the truth. Tell them how you were lost and Jesus found you. Sit around in the car when you get them, when you're taking them to soccer practice and just there's a window. Wait on it. Don't force it. Just wait on it. And when the window comes and the moment is right and their heart is receptive, open up your mouth and tell how your father. I tell my children stories of my parents and their parents and I pass it down because there's something that gets in them through the passing of these stories of faith. And the first way that you are, the first story you're to tell your children is how you were saved. Have you taught them yet? Have you told them your personal story? Don't tell them everything. But, but have you told them your personal story of how Jesus saved you? In doing so, you will save their generation, the word promises, and the generation to come. Come on and give God a praise for that. If it was at a Billy Graham crusade, tell them. If it was in a good Pentecostal church, tell them. If it was in a Baptist church, if it was in the Catholic church, tell them. Tell them how grace found you. Then there's a second thing that we're to tell our children. It's found in, second, in Exodus chapter 16 and, and it talks about how that they were in the wilderness and God sent manna and provided food when they had nothing to eat. And God said, take a piece of that manna and put it in a pot and put it inside of the Ark of the Covenant for generations to come so that when they say and they see that pot of manna, that bread that I sent down from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness and fed them every day, and when they ask you, your children will ask you, what does this mean? You tell them how Jehovah Jireh provided for your family, how you had food to eat, how you had clothes to wear, how you had shelter from the sun, how God met every financial, physical need that you had by His goodness in your life. Don't just let them be recipients of blessings. Tell them where it came from. Every time they look at that pot of manna, remind them, you like those clothes? God gave them to you. 
you. You like those shoes God gave. You like that car I got you. God gave it to you. Remind them. Remind them stories of how God provided in the wilderness. When you didn't know what you were going to do. Tell them those stories. You had lost your job. And it looked like y'all were going to lose everything. But God made a way. Just tell them that. Because that's how faith is transferred. Tell them the stories. I'm going to tell a few right quick. Can I? I I feel like it. I don't care if you want to hear them or not. You might have heard them before. But again, I say unto you. Because I want my family and I want my church family to know how good God has been to us. But I was majoring in music in college. I had a full scholarship. And I didn't have a saxophone that was worth anything. It was falling apart. It was, it was falling. I would literally play it and the pads would fall out and fall on the ground. I'd have to get, I kept a little bitty tiny screwdriver that I would constantly try to, to adjust my horn. And my professor was an atheist, and, and I, he knew that, that I was a believer, and he'd make fun of me a lot. And, and to make a long story short, I'm not a victim about it. I was cool about it, but I, I, just, I, just, I was not ashamed of the Lord. And, uh, and he finally told me after one lesson, and my horn broke down in the middle of the lesson, he said, if you don't get another horn, I'm going to recommend that you lose your scholarship. And I said, sir, I don't have the money. My father doesn't have the money. He said, well, you better get you a side job. I offered you a job in the bar to play in this band. And if you just play in the band, in the bar, you could have the money. But in my conviction, I didn't feel like I needed to do that. I felt like I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't think I needed to be in that environment because I know me. <clears throat> And so, and so I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I started teaching on the side musical lessons, but it still wasn't enough. Make a long story short, my father was a preacher. And he was preaching in a little country church in eastern North Carolina. And before he preached, he asked me to go with him that weekend. We drove a long ways to go preach at this church out in the middle of the sticks, out in the middle of the country. I mean, I mean... We were, it, it was country. You, you had to work toward, you had to walk toward town, you know, just to, just to, just to see the light. And it was so far out in the country, little bitty church, just a, just a handful of people. And dad said, son, would you sing? I play piano. And he said, would you sing and play before I, I, I preach? And I said, yeah, I will. So I went there with that intention, but I happened to bring that old breakity, raggedy saxophone with me. And they were singing, the choir was singing. They used to have a choir back then, that little country church. And they were singing, uh, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And I pulled my saxophone out on the front row. And I just felt like playing, and I can play. And I started playing, and I mean, I got anointed to play. And I stood up, and the place went crazy. People were having a party. You know, church people can party too. Church people can have a good time too. And, and, and the, I mean, the Holy Spirit hit that place and my dad didn't even get to preach and, and people started coming to the altar and getting saved and it was amazing. It was the most amazing thing. I, my horn would fall apart. I'd just play with one hand, pick it up, put it back on, keep moving. I, I thought, I, I asked somebody, you got any chewing gum? I could use it. It might help. And, and, and so to make a long story short, at the end of the service, my father said not a word to anybody. I said not a word to anybody about my need. And the pastor got up at a little country church and he was weeping. He said, I don't know when I've been in a move of God like this. And he said, I don't know why, but I feel like God spoke to me. And God told me to take up an offering for that young boy 
and buy him a new saxophone. I don't, I don't know how he knew unless one of the pads rolled by him. But somehow he knew, you know, the devil meant it for your evil, but God can turn it for your good. He, he took up an offering and got several thousand dollars out of a little country church. I still can't get my mind around it. I went to New York City, went to the most prestigious music shop in New York City, bought the best horn money can buy, a Selmer Mark VI, went back to my atheist professor's office, threw it up on the table and said, look what the Lord has done. Oh, come on. Come on. And I know it's no big deal to you, but when you don't have it and God supplies it, you need to tell the story to your children because my God is your God and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. He'll send you to college. He'll get you a house. He'll provide for your family. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Put God first, tithe and give and watch him open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. Everybody take a praise break and thank God for his provision in your family. You got a story to tell. Sharice and I didn't have anything to speak of, but God has blessed us. I'm, I'm telling you stories. We, she built homes when we first started out in ministry. Sharice's dad was a builder, and so she had that in her blood, and she built homes. And she would build homes and flip them and make money and buy, build another one, flip it, make fifty or 60000 100000 Then we built a big house, and she flipped it. And uh, I'll never forget sitting out in the parking lot of the attorney's office. We had just gotten the check. We had never seen so much money in our life, several hundred thousand dollars. And we're looking at that check. And I looked at her and she looked at me. And she said, get out of here quick before they change their mind. I said, my God, we took them to the bank. Can you believe how cheap we built? Not, not cheap as in quality, but we really, we really did. And we were blessed. And I still remember that feeling. I still remember that feeling of I never dreamed that God would provide. We took that money and bought a piece of property and built the home that we've been living in for 17 years. Debt free because of what God did. That's the story. That's the story. That's the story. Come on and clap. That's the story. I, I, I'll never forget when, when, when we were in Georgia, you know, the church that we pastor in Georgia, we have a television ministry. It goes to 138 nations of the world. And we didn't have any TV cameras and we didn't have any money to buy any TV cameras. And a preacher walked in one Sunday night and he said, God spoke to me to take up an offering. And I knew him and I said, go ahead. And he said, God said this ministry is supposed to be on TV. And we didn't plan it. We didn't rehearse it. We didn't plan for it. He took up a cash offering of what this isn't about money. This is about the faithfulness of God. A cash offering of $138,000 from the crowd about this size. Cash. And we went on TV within three weeks. How do you explain that? How do you explain how God has time and time again, just when we didn't know what we were going to do and where it was going to come from, but God made a way in the wilderness. Tell these stories to your children and tell them if you'll be faithful to God, if you'll be a giver and a supporter to, of God's house, he will bless the work 
of your hands. Tell the story. Then there's another time that he said, tell the story. Tell about your salvation. Tell about God's provision. And then there's the story in the book of Numbers of how that Korah, tell the story of how Korah and the rebellious children rose up, men rose up and attacked Moses and how God caused the earth to open up and swallow them. And God said, take their censers because they had these censers. They were priests and, and they went against God's man in rebellion and the earth swallowed them up and they took these censers which were brass uh, you know how a priest would swing that censer. And they, God said, smash them and lay them on the altar. And when your children see them, they will ask you in generations to come, what do those censers mean that have been smashed and flattened? They'll ask you, what does that mean? And you tell them how God deals with rebellion. That God will flatten it. That when you puff up in rebellion against God... God knows how to flatten you. Anybody in this room ever had God flatten you? You were so big. You were so bad. You were going to be a big, bad sinner. But God knows how to just flatten you. But also tell them that there's a place on the altar for flattened, deflated people who have been humbled and crushed by what they've done and the sin that they've been involved in, that you can take flattened people and they can be forgiven because that's where the blood was sprinkled seven times. Tell them that there's forgiveness for rebellion, but tell them how you rebelled. Tell them, you know, I was raised in church. I, I really resented my parents for a while because my dad was a preacher and my mom was a church uh, church woman, you know, she just, all she wanted to do was go to church and it got on my nerves. There's got to be more to life than church. And that's all I heard. That's all I ever knew was church, 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 church. So I decided I was going to be a big, bad sinner. And I hit a little stage where I got inflated and I went out and I did what I thought I wanted to do. But the Holy Spirit flattened me. And when he flattened me, I'm so glad that my dad, I'll, I'll never forget one thing I did. And I got called at it. I, I, I stole a bottle of wine and put it in my saxophone because it would fit right in the bell. And that was a good place to hide it. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell all the stuff now. And, 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 and I, put it in the, I put it in my horn and I went off somewhere and said, I'm going you know, to play my horn, but I really was going to party with that bottle of wine. And somebody told on me, there's always somebody that'll tell on you. Usually one of the members' kids. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on this morning. You know, if you've got a praying mama and daddy, you'll never be a good sinner. You'll never be, you're never going to fit in. You never, I tell people, you know, I used to get high and, and, and my friends would see, you know, they would see pink elephants. I would see Moses and Elijah. <laughs> it's terrible. I couldn't even enjoy the party. I was always wondering what if the rapture takes place and I'm left behind. God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I don't mean it. Oh, God. Oh, God, I don't mean it. I'm telling you, put the fear of God in your kids. And you know, I'm glad for that. 
But I'll never forget. I, I thought I'd covered that little incident up with the wine. And, and, and somebody told on me. And I was, I was in the church practicing my saxophone. In the church that my dad pastored in Rocky Mount. Practicing my saxophone. All by myself. Nobody was there. And dad walked in. And he was a big man. And he was a preacher. So it was all going through the church. Sister Bucketmouth was telling everybody. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. You want my family to be perfect, but let's look at your jacked up family just a little bit. But you, know, you know what I mean? But, but it was going, it, the rumor had started, and I wasn't even aware of it. I remember it like it was yesterday. My daddy walked in the side door, and I was up playing. He said, Jensen, I need to talk with you. I put that horn down. He said, I know what you did. And I thought, oh, God, he's about to take that belt off right here. Because I was never too old for my daddy to whip. <laughs> and I thought, he is going. But instead, big old tears started streaming down his face. And he said, son, you broke my heart. You lied to me and to your mother. You, you've been doing things and we found out about it. It crushed me. It crushed me. It flattened me. He walked out and I felt like nothing. I just felt like how could I, because I so respect my mom and my dad to this day. They were amazing parents and Christians. And when they left, I, dad left. And I just felt so flattened, but I'm glad that he also taught me that there was an altar where the flattened can be forgiven and that the blood could cover the rebellion in my life. Now, later on, he whipped me real good. But, but in general, that's my memory of it. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that you serve a God who flattens and forgives all the rebellion in our lives? Come on and give him a praise. I'm almost done. I got nine minutes and I intend to preach all nine. Hallelujah. I'll tell you another time. When he said, tell your children. He said, I want you in Joshua chapter four to pile up stones. When they walked across, when they came out of the land of bondage into the promised land, God rolled back the Jordan River and he said, take 12 stones out of the middle of the bed of dry bed of the river. Take 12 stones and get to the other side and stack them on top of each other. So that from generations to come, when they come by this way and they see that stack of stones that they say, what do these stones mean? You are to tell them how I brought you into your purpose and your destiny and your calling and your place of blessing. Tell them the story of how I brought you through the obstacles, through the giants, through the wilderness, through the rolling back of the Jordan River, Tell them, and when they ask you, what do these stones mean? You tell them how I brought you sovereignly by my hand into your purpose. 
I'm saying to you today that you're sitting here in this church and God has brought you a mighty long way. And you are to tell those stories. How that you were going to marry this one, but you met that one. How that you were going to do this, but, but God had a different plan. And how He led you. My story quickly that I'm going to tell again. Because these are the stories that, that, that I, I was on a fast. And I was, I was in my second year of college on majoring in music. And I, I went on a three-day fast. And I said, God, I've got to know your plan for my life. And... And while I was fasting and praying on the third day, I went over at about midnight to the, the, the tabernacle where my father was bishop over this particular area. And, and he had a, where they had camp meeting, a big building. And I went over there with the keys all by myself, no lights, and I went to pray. And I'll never forget walking up to, on that platform and praying and reaching a point of brokenness where I said, God, I, I really... I'm afraid of ministry. I really don't want to be a preacher because I've seen that side of religious people. And I really don't want to be in that. But I'm willing now, after three days of not eating, I'm willing now that not my will, but thine be done. I'm, I'm 17 years old, 18. I, I don't know what I'm doing, or 19. I forget how old I was. But I said, I don't know... I don't know what I'm doing now. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what direction my life is supposed to go. I want to play music, but something seems to be missing. And when I hear preachers preach, I hear something calling me. When I hear and see and get in services and see people broken before God, something in that moves me deeply. I notice my friends don't necessarily get moved, but I do. And, and God, I don't know what you're wanting me to do. I think I do, but I'm terrified. I can't preach. I'm shy. I'm insecure. There's no way I can get up in front of people. But I just want to tell you in this moment, I'm willing. Not my will, but thine be done. And no sooner had I spoke those words in prayer. I feel like, and I don't know how to describe this to you. I'm not being super spiritual. But I saw a picture of my mother in my mind. And I saw her on her knees praying. And the Lord said, get up from this place and go home. Which I was about a half a mile away from my home. And your mother will confirm. Well, he didn't say your mother. He said, I will confirm. But he showed me a picture of my mother in my mind. And I will confirm your calling. Now this was midnight. My mother goes to bed early. I went home, I walked through. Some of my family was watching television and I noticed in the back bedroom, the door was cracked and there was a little light coming from the bathroom. And I walked back and when I pressed the door open, my mom was on her knees praying. And she whirled around and she said, Son, I don't know where you've been or what you've been doing, but God told me to tell you to do what He's called you to do. And He will confirm His word with signs following. I'll never forget that night. That's my story. That night when I, when I accepted my call, I didn't feel adequate. I didn't feel qualified, but I knew I was called and I said, I didn't choose you. You chose me. So here we go. And I announced my calling and I preached in a double wide trailer about three weeks later. And I, I cried for 10 minutes and preached for five minutes, but I got a bunch of people saved and that was the best I could do. And God blessed it.
Tell these stories. Tell how you started that business. Tell how you sold that house. Tell how you did. Tell how God has worked redemption and brought you into your purpose. Tell those stories. Lastly, I want to give you one more. He said, the Feast of Purim. Esther, have the Feast of Purim at the end of your deliverance. You remember how Haman was going to kill all the Jews and God set them free. And have a feast. And when your children ask, what does this feast mean called Purim? You tell your children how God delivered and protected your family from death and destruction. My mother-in-law sitting on the front row was diagnosed with breast cancer. How many years ago, Pat? 20, 25 years ago. I'll never forget it. She came home with a death sentence, breast cancer. And we fasted and we prayed. Sharice and I and her husband, Jimmy, who's deceased and gone on to be with the Lord, an amazing, holy man, great man of God. And we fasted and prayed as a family. And you know, it's one thing when somebody says somebody has cancer. When it comes to your family, when it's your mother or your, your mother-in-law, and I love my mother, some of you would be. But that, that's, that's, not, that's not my story. That's my number one fan right there, and I love her dearly. She's been the greatest friend to me and supporter. She, was our, she's, she really has been. But I'll never forget it. I couldn't believe it. We were stunned. We were devastated. Sharice was devastated. Uh, did we have children yet? 25 years ago, we might, you might have been pregnant with Courtney. We had two. Okay. I'm just, you must have had them outside with somebody else. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. no. Two? We had Courtney and Carissa? That don't seem right, but I, you're always right. So, but, but we were devastated. And we prayed and fasted for three days. And some of you don't know, I, I wrote a book on fasting that came out of these experiences and it became a New York Times bestseller. That's another story. The one the publisher didn't want. He said, nobody will buy a book on fasting. That's the one that sold over a million copies. And it's blessed our family. It broke poverty off of our family forever. Now listen to me. Listen to me. We were praying and fasting, the whole family. And I turned to the book of Psalms one day, on the third day of that fast. And God gave me a scripture to give the pat. I'm not glorifying myself. I'm just telling you the story of redemption through our family. And he said, thus saith the Lord, there's a scripture, that you will live to see your children's children. In 25 years since that diagnosis, she had one surgery. She chose not to go the other route. I'm not telling you that's what you should do, but she chose not to and to trust God. And for 25 years, she's been cancer-free because God did a miracle. <laughs> Some of you are sitting here today because you've got a grandmother like that. 
you've got a granny like that. They may be in heaven this I don't know why I'm getting emotional, except I feel God's presence here today. And I'm simply trying to say to you that what all that matters in life is not the house you leave them, the car you leave them, the stories you leave them, the faith of how God, when we had trouble, when we had pain, Tell them the stories, not just the successes and the good times, but the low times. This is how you make it through the troubled season of marriage. Your mother and I had issues just like you're having. Tell those stories. Keep running to the house of God. Keep running and forgiving and loving. Tell those stories. Tell the story of how Sharice got so mad at me she ripped my shirt off and clawed me across my chest. Tell the stories. I won't tell any on me, but that's what she did. Tell the stories. Come on, church. We, we, we like to play church, but we're losing our families because we're not talking Jesus all week long. When you get those grandbabies, tell the story. Tell them the stories of faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed as they come to the music. Tell how God delivered you from drugs. Anybody got that testimony? How God delivered you from alcoholism. How God delivered you from an immoral lifestyle. Tell those stories to your children. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? No one do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.